Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, your host for the podcast, and I am a political and corporate advisor, and I apply psychology to help legislators and elected officials and CEOs solve and understand social issues. One of those issues is relationships and the impact on how relationships can then affect larger communities as well as states as a whole. And so in order to have a satisfying and healthy relationship, it begins on attraction. And so today we are talking about the psychology of romantic attraction. So if you desire a romantic relationship or want to be married, then it's who you choose and who you choose will be influenced by who you are attracted to and who is also attracted to you. In romantic attraction, the attraction is a combination of positive thoughts plus positive feelings that one person has about another person combined with the desire to form a romantic relationship with that person. But how do you create attraction and then what attracts us to one person and not to another? And why are some people attracted to us or we attract a certain personality type more than we attract other individuals? Well, that's what we will discuss today. And we will focus on the six domains of romantic attraction. So the first is the eight major traits associated with attraction and attractiveness. Two, male and female differences in attraction. Three, sexual attraction versus romantic attraction. Four, how self-esteem influences to whom you are attracted. Five, different traits men and women look for in long-term partners for marriage. And six, the ideal personality type for a romantic partner and spouse. So let's begin with the first one. The eight major traits associated with attraction and attractiveness are also divided into mainly physical as well as psychological components. So the first is facial appearance. And what we look for is facial symmetry, meaning does one side of their face look exactly equal in space and distance and shape as the other side of the face? And the way that we were able to recognize symmetry in attraction on a just human level is there was an infant study on attraction and babies were more likely to look at nurses who had symmetrical faces rather than those who had asymmetrical faces. So they looked longer and they were also cooling more. We then applied this later to other social psychology experiments when it came to romantic attraction and the same was found. We are more attracted to individuals who have facial symmetry and that's why many of the artists or models you will also see who may not appear to be overtly attractive, but when you analyze their facial components, then you'll see that they have symmetrical features for their eyes, their nose, their lips, and even the sides of their face for their cheeks. Also for facial appearance, we will also look at a person's masculinity of their face or the femininity of their face. And so we will discuss later on about the body differences between the two genders, but we also have facial differences. So male faces will have larger foreheads, larger jaw bones, more prominent cheekbones, and thinner cheeks. And female faces have less of these characteristics. 
And the lesser of these characteristics that a face has, it's considered more feminine, whether it's a male or a female. But across cultures, when it comes to a female's attractiveness, the more feminine a female's facial features are, then the more attractive she is considered or her attractiveness will increase. And again, this is across cultures. For men, the level of masculinity in their face can be not as easy to predict, meaning that it can be both attractive as well as unattractive, depending upon the um, other variables that we will discuss for the female's physical as well as social needs. For example, the more masculine a man's face is, the more a female will perceive him to be masculine, dominant, and older. However, she will also less likely be to perceive him as honest, cooperative, kind, or able to be a good parent. So just having a very masculine face can be both attractive or unattractive depending on the woman's needs at that time. So the second of the eight major traits associated with attraction and attractiveness is financial status. So have you ever thought why women are more likely to be labeled as gold diggers more so than men? So part of this is for um, biophysiological and social reasons, because a man's status level financially and socially are strong predictors of his ability to provide for that woman and any child that they have. And so his financial status or his appearance of having a higher financial status will also predict how attractive he will be viewed by women. And you can, if you're not that attractive in your face or in your body, then having high status clothing is also going to increase your attractiveness if you are a man. And it's this appearance of having a higher status which is one of the predominant reasons of why men are more attracted to status symbols such as a fast car or a luxury car, a luxury watch, or nice shoes or higher quality shoes. And it's important to consider that this is not a cookie cutter recipe on what high status attraction is because what one person values for high status in one culture or one ethnicity may be different for the other. So it's best if you are dating within your culture or with any particular social group, then what's considered higher status is more likely to positively compensate for any physical features of unattractiveness or less attractiveness that you may have if you are a male. Um, also, if you have a set of symbols such as a car, it won't really matter if the female comes from a place where they're walking all the time or if they're in Europe and they're mostly on mopeds. So it depends, again, on the culture, the ethnicity, and also the social group within that man is in. But in either instance, it's the man's financial status and his appearance of financial status that will make him more attractive to a female. Three, having a healthy appearance. So this is kind of obvious. How healthy a man or woman looks is also going to make them more attractive, meaning you don't have to have a six-pack abs, but if you don't have any appearance of having an obvious disease or an obvious illness or deformity, then you are going to be considered more healthy in appearance and then more attractive. And this can even go to how healthy a person's skin appears, but healthy skin is more likely to be an attraction to 
females evaluating a potential male spouse more so than it is going to be a man evaluating a female. Similarly, oral hygiene and attractiveness of a man's teeth are going to be more attractive subconsciously and consciously to a female more so than what the male will be looking for. Fourth domain is height. And biologically, men are usually taller than females. And the biological reason for attraction to taller men is not because the female is having some arbitrary, oh, I need him to be six foot three or five inches taller than I am. It's not because she's having a just, you know, blase approach to dating or focusing on things that are not important, but it's actually because it taps into an instinctual ability to perceive, does that male have a viable gene pool or come from a strong gene pool where they were less likely to have disease or deficiency and therefore having a stunted growth or any other type of deformities that would prevent them from growing taller. If they were able to be tall, it also would then subconsciously communicate, well, if they are tall, they're also more likely to have access to resources such as food or to healthy food and consistent sources of food. And if they are taller, they are more likely to be able to be stronger or able to fight off if someone was coming to attack them or if an animal was going to attack. So this is from an evolutionary standpoint, but even in modern day society, we're still humans and biology is never going to change. So that's still the same. And so for those reasons, um, being tall is then subconsciously permeated throughout our society as being a more attractive feature because of these evolutionary uh, conclusions that we make. And also because of this is why you will see taller men more likely to be presidents of the United States, CEOs, uh, high-profile people in public, or models, obviously because, one, the clothes will fit better on them, but also because we have a subconscious interpretation that height is related to wealth and related to intelligence and related to success. And therefore, because women are attracted to uh, viable men who can help their children live longer, then they are going to then view that taller guy more attractive because of his height, even if his face is not as attractive. The fifth domain for romantic attraction is personality type. So across cultures, personality is a very strong predictor of romantic attraction, meaning that you want the person to have a certain way of thinking, acting, and being that you are attracted to. And globally, those specific ways of being are categorized into personality type. And so we call these the big five for the, for the personality domains. And they are neuroticism, extroversion, openness to experience, agreeableness, conscientiousness, and neuroticism. Now, I did not mention introversion because introversion and extroversion are actually connected. So you are not always consistently an extrovert or only an introvert. You can vary at different times, but it would depend on are you at least 51% of the time, 51% of the situations more likely to be extroverted or introverted. So if you're at that 51% mark, then that will make you more extroverted than introverted, but you may not necessarily be a complete extrovert or a complete introvert unless you get into the higher percentages, such as 70% of the time. 
Now, of these big five personality types, there are four personality types that both men and women are more attracted to. And if they're not attracted to the full personality type, they are more attracted to these personality traits. Traits meaning that they have characteristics or smaller levels of these, but not a full-blown personality type. For example, narcissism is a personality disorder. So a person can have a full narcissistic personality disorder, or they cannot meet the full criteria, but will only have narcissistic traits. And that's the same way we would have with personality. You may not have a person who meets the full criteria for extroversion, but they have extroversion traits. And so the traits that both men and women are most attracted to are extroversion, agreeableness, ambition or conscientiousness, and having lower levels of neuroticism. So that means that when one individual is looking for a longer-term partner, they want someone who's more outgoing than them, more agreeable, more ambitious, and more emotionally stable than how they are. But it's also important to understand, in case you're not any of those, but you're still looking for love, that although humans are more likely to have in their mind a fantasy or a vision of their ideal romantic partner or their ideal spouse, most often who we marry is not the full listing of that personality type or that personality traits. So don't give up on yourself if you're not an extrovert or if you do have more emotionality in your personality. So the sixth category category is weight and body shape. And so just like when it comes to the perception of wealth or financial status, then weight and body shape are also influenced by culture. In Western societies, like in America, then thinness is perceived as more attractive. However, what is thin and what is considered to be a desirable weight or a desirable uh, organization of body fat will differ across the decades, even within that same society. For example, Marilyn Monroe is not as tiny as people think she was. She fluctuated from an eight to a 12 at times, but she was still considered a very voluptuous and attractive person. So if you are skinny now or super thin now, then that was also very popular before when they had the model known as Twiggy. And many models now are venturing more toward the more curvy model. So don't focus more on what your body shape is because depending on who your spouse is, they may come from a culture that values one body type over another. So be who you are, healthy, not obese and not anorexic. Be healthy who you are in your weight and then let whoever is destined to be your spouse and your husband or wife, let them be attracted to who you are naturally and who you are in a healthy stance. Also, looking at the cultural influence of weight, body fat is highly preferred in cultures or in regions where there is a greater risk of food shortage. So again, biological and evolution influences. If a person is able to be like, if a man is able to be tall, then he must have enough resources to be able to sustain that height and to not have any stunts in his growth. Similarly, if a woman has higher body fat or if a man has higher body fat in a region 
or within a community where there's a food shortage, then he or she will be seen as having more access to resources and therefore viewed as more attractive. But in both genders, um, the having a specific body shape or having a specific weight is more of an attraction factor for men than it is for women viewing men as potential partners. And this is why you can see a man who is obese and not because he is in a starving country and this is a sign of affluence, but just because of unhealthy eating choices, he will still be able to attract a very physically beautiful female because it's not what she's looking at as as her primary motivation. And usually that's because that man may have more financial status than he has physical attraction. However, the man is going to want someone who is attractive regardless of his financial status and regardless of his own weight and body shape. Looking at gender or continuing with gender, we also have specific body shape preferences for men versus for women. And these are consistent with our natural biological makeup, meaning that men are more attracted to and they prefer women with a waist to hip ratio that is low, meaning they want women to have a smaller waist and with larger hips. And women prefer a higher waist to hip ratio, meaning that they have a preference for a a man's waist and his hips being similar in size and straighter in appearance. The reason for this, if you may have figured it out by now, is that if a woman has very thin hips, therefore, if she were to become pregnant, she may have a harder time giving birth to children. And therefore, either she may die or the child may die, or they may have limited offspring in their marital union. So subconsciously, a woman with wider hips is viewed to be more able to not only carry children, but also to carry more children and to have more healthy delivery of children. So body shape, you know, is again, like with culture for the financial status and it's influenced by culture in that ethnicities where women are genetically more round in shape or more petite or more straight in appearance or having any other type of phenotype, um, which is a um, phenotype meaning a common observable characteristics for that ethnicity. So if in a particular culture or ethnicity, if women have a, um, a genetically more consistent physical trait, then it's also what's in that ethnicity that is also more likely to be considered attractive. So again, when it, when it comes to weight and body shape, don't focus on being a particular media pushed image of what's attractive. Be who you are naturally and healthily and depending on where your spouse um, comes from or depending upon his or her ethnicity, then that will be a stronger influence on what he or she is attracted to. So just remember to be healthy and focus on that first and foremost. And the seventh domain is youth, which I will explain in a few seconds. And the eighth domain is culture. So I've been mentioning culture throughout the other domains, but culture in and of itself can be a strong predictor in attraction, meaning not only will it influence what you physically define as attractive, but also it will reflect, well, do we have the same morals? Do we have the same social beliefs? Do we have the same cultural understanding of what a man does and what a woman does? Do we have the same 
religious upbringing or do we have the same belief for education? So again, for the ambition. So culture will be a strong determinant in addition to physical attractiveness, but also social variables such as ambition, religion, parenting styles, morals, and other values. So now let's go to youth. So youth is also heavily influenced by gender differences, just like weight and body shape. Specifically, men are more likely to be attracted to younger women and younger looking women, and women are more likely to be attracted to men who are slightly older. So going back to biology and evolution, um, we have a basic biological foundation for romantic and sexual attraction based on our gender because it gives us a subconscious scanning or a subconscious evaluation of if a potential partner is genetically fit for reproducing. So of course it makes sense. You know, men are not just being pigheaded if they want a younger female because they can have and produce sperm for throughout their whole life, whereas women only have a very limited time of producing eggs, having a menstrual cycle, and being able to bear children. So it's natural for a man to be attracted to a younger woman because it will signify to him that not only is she able to have a longer time to have children, but also her children will be more likely to be viable than a woman who is 20 or 30 years older than that person. Men are also more likely to be attracted to a woman's sexual desirability as well as her physical attributes. When you look at women, then women are less attracted to physical and more attracted to wealth status. And so that's because men are attracted to younger women because they want to be able to produce more viable babies. However, women are attracted to the wealth status or the financial status so they can have a man who can help take care and provide for those viable babies. Although females are more likely to be attracted to the perception of a man's wealth status, she is also still attracted to his youthfulness, sexual desirability, or physical appearance. However, it's just not to the degree of what a man would focus on. And again, there's biological differences. For example, although women have a preference for taller men because of the protection and the appearance of wealth, if they have a man who is shorter than them, but that man has a higher confidence level, then it will be his confidence that will be seen as more attractive than his shorter height. And similarly, although a woman would be attracted to a younger, more muscular man who appears to be more sexually viral, she will be more predictably choosing of a partner who is slightly older. And that's because his older age will then subconsciously communicate that he is able to more financially provide for her, excuse me, than a younger man would be able to. And also by him having an older age, he will be more likely to be emotionally stable and therefore less neurotic or less emotionally unstable than a younger man. In addition to the gender differences between men and women, there are also differences within the individual female depending upon her menstrual cycle and hormone level. For example, 
whenever she's in her highest peak of fertility for that month of her menstrual cycle, then she'll be more attracted to men that have more masculine faces and less feminine faces. She'll also be more attracted to feminine men, whether in their appearance or their facial features, when she has progesterone levels that are at a higher level. So progesterone is one of the hormones in the female body and it helps to support the female body during pregnancy, helping the baby to become viable. So then if you think about having, when we look back at the facial symmetry and the strength of a man's face being more masculine or more feminine, although a man may have a more masculine face, which is what she will be attracted to to have sex with him, when she actually becomes pregnant, she will then choose a less masculine or a more feminine face because then he will be seen as more cooperative and more agreeable. And when the person, when the female is pregnant, then she will want to have the person or the partner who will also be a more cooperative husband and be able to produce a calmer environment and a more emotionally stable environment, more so than a man who would be if he were a completely highly testosterone-driven man. So when the female is most fertile in her menstrual cycle, she's attracted to more masculine men. And when she is less fertile or least likely to get pregnant, she's more attracted to more feminine-faced or more cooperative men. Also, when it's during her ovulation, she's more attracted to more masculine men and she'll be more sexually interested in more masculine men. So not only will she find attractiveness in them, but she'll also have a higher sex drive during her times of ovulation, which leads us to sexual attraction versus romantic attraction. So depending on if you are looking for a sex-only relationship, a short-term sexual relationship, or a long-term romantic relationship, that will determine who you find more attractive. When you are looking for a sexual-only relationship, you're not necessarily looking for values or traits that you would look for in a romantic person. However, when you are looking for a romantic person or a romantic relationship, you would not only look for those traits for the personality traits, the viability traits for the gene pool, but you also will then measure if they have a level of sexual attractiveness. And even if a person is abstaining from sex or a virgin, if it's a romantic seeking, marriage seeking relationship that they're after, then they will still have a level of sexual desirability in their evaluation of a person, even if they don't plan to have sex with that person until after they get married. But when it comes to sex only, it's not about anything long-term. It's only about the immediate sexual gratification. Now, in the attractions that are sexual only and short-term, the person will be more likely to be attracted to external traits such as physical appearance and physical attractiveness, their actual health and their perceived health, and also their financial wealth, meaning their obvious financial wealth, not the perception of financial wealth, as well as their own level of sexual arousal. So if it's a short-term sexual-only relationship, you're more likely to be attracted to external variables and traits. But if you're attracted to or you're desiring of a long-term relationship such as marriage, then you will be attracted to more internal traits 
that are within the person who they are. So this means their personality, their intelligence level, if they're kind, their education, their ambition, their level of honesty or trustworthiness, also their emotional stability, as we said, and your level of similarity within them. So if you're looking for a sex only short term, it's about the external physical, whereas the romantic longer term does include sexual desirability, but it also has a much heavier emphasis on the person's internal trait. Now there's a common misbelief that it's only men who view women as sex objects or view them based off their sexual desirability and that women don't have an interest in that. Well, that's definitely not true because the woman would need obviously to have sex to be able to to produce children as well as to enjoy the sexual intercourse. But when it comes to whether it's a short-term or a long-term relationship, then that's where you'll see the differences. Meaning that if it's a short-term sexual relationship only, the female will have a significantly higher preference for men who have a higher sex drive and sex sexual passion compared to if it were a longer-term relationship. In a longer-term relationship, she'll care about him being sexually desirable and able to have sexual passion, but she won't value it as much as the other internal characteristics. In contrast, men want the same level of high sex drive or high sexual passion, both in a short-term sexual relationship as well as their potential spouse for a longer-term relationship such as marriage. Also, in the short-term sex-only relationships, the female will place more value on the man's health and appearance and less value on his social status or his financial status except for when it comes to just the immediate benefits of being able to enjoy the dating as a prelude to sex. But she'll care care less about his ability to provide for her if it's only for a sex-only relationship. The female in the short-term sex relationships will also prefer a more masculine face, prefer lower-pitched masculine voices, and should be likely to more likely to choose a man who is more attractive but less cooperative and has less actual parenting ability than if she were looking for a longer-term relationship. But in a longer-term relationship, then she will be more attracted to men who are less physically attractive but are more cooperative. Now let's look at how self-esteem influences to whom you are attracted. And self-esteem is a part of this, especially when it comes to your own view of attractiveness. So depending on how attractive you believe yourself to be, it will also determine how attractive you want your potential partner to be, whether it's a short-term sexual or a long-term marriage relationship. Now, if you have lower self-esteem, then you are more likely to be open to affection and romantic interest than a person who has higher self-esteem because you're more likely to be more grateful for the attention and more more grateful for the possible interest in you being viewed as a potential spouse and you would have less options or you would perceive yourself to have less options. So therefore, you're more likely to be more, more open. However, the difficulty is that because of a person having low self-esteem, they are also more likely to miss the cues or miss the signals that someone is indeed attracted to them. And then by missing those clues, 
it reinforces in their mind that, oh, well, no one wants me. No one's dating me. No one's calling me. But that's really not true. If it's a low self-esteem issue, then by increasing your self-esteem, you'll be more able to see the individuals who are already attracted to you. And therefore, you can then more able be more able to choose a partner. However, if you have higher self-esteem, you may be more picky because you would view yourself as more attractive, believe you have higher criteria for your potential spouse, and therefore you will be less receptive. And this is part of our attractiveness combined with your self-esteem. And when you have your attractiveness and self-esteem, we get into the self-verification theory, meaning that based off of how you see yourself physically, how you view yourself and your ability to attract a mate will be te- will depend on who you do actually choose. And more often than not, we will choose spouses who verify or reinforce our own views of ourselves. Meaning that if I think I'm sexy, <laughs> which I do, if I think I'm sexy and my potential partner or spouse thinks I'm sexy, then I'm going to appreciate and be more attracted to that person than a a person who would not see me that way. Similarly, if a person believed that they were super intelligent, but their potential dates or the potential spouses did not value their intelligence, then they would not be attracted to them, even if they had all of the other variables that were internal and external, whether it's short-term or long-term. So in essence, we are more likely to choose potential long-term spouses if they are individuals who reinforce how we see ourselves, if they see us how we see ourselves, if they value the traits in us that we also value, and if they also treat us according to how we believe we should be treated. Unfortunately, like with low self-esteem, you will still choose a person who verifies or reinforces your view of yourself. So if you ever think about, well, why do I always attract these women who are only using me for money or only using me for sex or men who are always abusing me or taking advantage of me, then it might be because you are subconsciously choosing men or choosing women, if you're a man, who is reinforcing your view of yourself. And because they reinforce what you already think, then you mistakenly think that it's a connection where it's really a reinforcement of your negative self-view that's making you comfortable. So like with weight and body shape, focus on being healthy, not only physically, but also mentally and psychologically so that you can be in the best physical position, the best psychological functioning to be able to choose a mate who will be healthier for you and lead to a more happy marriage and a more safe and nurturing family environment. This leads us to the next domain, which is the different traits men and women look for in long-term partners for marriage. Now, the attraction process usually begins with the four phases. The first phase is that upon meeting each other, whether it was an impromptu date whether it was a blind date or just meeting someone like in the grocery store. Both persons who have an interest in a long-term romantic relationship will evaluate the other person for their physical attractiveness beginning with their face. Does their face have the symmetry 
or the facial features that I find most attractive. And if they are attractive enough, you go to the second phase. And that's where the potential partners then subconsciously screen or evaluate the other person for social qualities on a very basic level, meaning are we similar in social class or education or intelligence level? And maybe what is our religious upbringing or our understanding of social norms? If we have a basic understanding and a basic match for that, and that person has those qualities in a level that we prefer, meaning not too much and not too little of being attractive and also having these basic social qualities, then they will then go on to the third phase, which is then being evaluated for higher levels of compatibility. And this means that they're looking for the actual values that they believe in, that they would view as necessary for a healthy marriage and for a happy marriage. And this is much more than are we of the same social class. This is what do we believe that husbands and wives should do? How do we think children should be raised? What are your religious beliefs on a higher level? How are you practicing those religious beliefs? If they pass the third level of attraction, then the initial phase of the romantic relationship will begin. And this is where they may begin dating. And during the dating process, this is when they continue to have more similarities that are discovered. And the more similar they are, the more attractive they will be and the more they will have an emotional bond that will lead them to love and then ideally to marriage. And the most common similarities that are evaluated during this dating phase when the individuals, both of them are looking for marriage, is seeing, well, how similar are we in our culture, our background, again, our values and morals, not just saying we believe in the same things like at the beginning of the third stage, but in implementation, in actuality, how does that look on a daily basis for your values and morals? Also, do we have the same interests and hobbies? Do we like to chill and relax the same way? Do we both like going to do tennis or on the yacht? Do we like to just do Netflix and chill? You know, how do we enjoy our relaxation time? And then the last variable would be, does their personality fit mine? So remember we mentioned the personality types before. So yes, we have an ideal version of what a personality type would be. But once you actually are with the person and have emotions for or with that person, then their personality type may differ from what you originally envisioned. And then you measure okay, well then, okay, this is an interesting personality. So let me see if this will work. Oh, okay, I like it. And then you'll continue to go from there. And in continuing with that, that leads us to the next domain of the personality type of the ideal romantic partner and spouse. So the ideal personality type is what you have envisioned or fantasized or wrote on your vision board of what your ideal partner should look like for marriage. And the ideal personality type, when we look at the studies of what both men and women say on who they would value as an ideal person on paper, is having a person who is emotionally stable. As we said before, that is the neuroticism, meaning having less emotional instability than what you have. So the one personality type and trait would be emotionally stable, also a good person, an exciting personality similar in social variables, similar in cultural variables, and having lower anxiety compared to yourself, 
and then having higher agreeableness, extroversion, and higher achievement drives. So again, this is the ideal personality for the future spouse on paper. But when we look at the ideal versus who individuals actually marry, they actually choose someone less than or different from what they have on their list when it comes to personality. Now, when it comes to the other internal variables, as far as being kind and caring and what your values are, those will still say the same, but the personality variables are more likely to be different. So this just lets us know that although you have an ideal version of who your spouse is, still be open to different personality types because you never know who will actually make you happy. And this is important, especially during this week of Valentine's Day or it's about to be spring when many people are more likely looking for love. And that's because although people who are similar in personality are not initially seen as someone who is more attractive, we are initially attracted to people who are opposite from us. But if you look at the science, although the opposites attract, it's the individuals who are more alike, who stay together and are happy. So let's add all of these together. And when you're looking for love and marriage, think about these uh, primary six domains of what attraction is, because in order for you to have love, you have to first have attraction. And these are the scientific variables that will predict who you are more likely to be attracted to. And if you have challenges with self-esteem or body weight or your beliefs in what you are worthy of, then that's going to negatively influence who you will choose. And you deserve to have the best and happily ever after possible in your marriage. And you can achieve that once you work on recognizing that I do deserve the best and I'm going to be the best and receive the best in marriage. And so therefore I might have to do some of my own self-work to see where my weaknesses are that are negatively influencing my relationship choices. Also think about just because you are attracted to someone sexually and you have the sexual hormonal connection that makes it feel as if it's an intense passion, don't confuse the sexual passion with love. The problem is when we have sex with individuals, because we have the orgasms that produce oxytocin, which gives us the love hormone, it gives the false appearance of, oh, the orgasm was so great. Oh, I'm so in love. And it's not true. But that causes many people to then mistakenly believe that someone who was a great sexual partner for the producing of children is not going to be the same sexual partner who was also the best marital partner. But because of the sex is highly satisfying, then they confuse the two and mistakenly label someone who was great at sex as being a great partner or a great parent. And for this reason, there are many, not including religion, but just many biological and sociological reasons on why it's better to have sex after you get married so that you don't mistakenly attribute a great orgasm to a person being of true love and of true interest in marrying you. In addition, when you look at attraction at its simplest level, remember that men are more attracted to women's physical appearance and sexual desirability, not actually having sex with her. 
So it's how likely are they to be sexually aroused by her? And then women are more attracted to a man's social status and his material resources with both the men and women having these basic biological based romantic attractions influenced by the human instinct to survive, produce children, create strong emotional bonds, and then those strong emotional bonds then creating a safe and nurturing environment for that family unit to thrive. So remember to take all of this information with you when you are dating and looking for love, as well as share this episode or continue the conversation with others who you know who are looking for love. And as always, whenever you do share the conversation or continue the conversation, remember to do so using science and definitely love. If you run too fast